What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Normal Guy, Lazy Guy podcast presented by House Enterprise. As always, I'm your host, Jared Magazine, just your neighborly normal guy with a lazy eye here connecting with people who have incredible stories to tell. Today's guest is another member of the House Enterprise family. He is one of the co-founders. He's an incredible individual. I'm, of course, talking about Jake Zimmer. Jake is the co-founder of House Enterprise, the co-founder of House Brewing Company. He is the co-host of the Beers, Business, and Balls podcast. He also is an in-house sports announcer for a lot of colleges in the area, including Bryant, Providence, BU, as well as the PLL and the uh, Boston Bruins. So Jake is an incredible guy. We talk about if the Yankees and Mets are going to see another Subway Series. We talk about his incredible pick of Matt Fitzpatrick to win the U.S. Open. We talk about his sports broadcasting career and many, many more topics. The thing I love about Jake is he's a lot like myself in that we find the time to do the things that we love. Yes, we may be burning the candle at both ends, but when you find something that you love, it's not really called work. So as we are both full-time podcasters, we are full-time career people who have other nine-to-fives, as the saying goes. So so excited to have Jake on the show to share his story. So without further ado, here is the one and only Jake Zimmer. Well, everyone, on this week's episode, we welcome another member of the House Enterprise family. Jake Zimmer is the co-founder of House Enterprise and House Brewing Company. He's the co-host of the Beers, Business, and Balls podcast and an in-house sports announcer for the PLL, the Boston Bruins, the Bryant Bulldogs, the Boston University Terriers, and, of course, the Providence Friars. Jake, thank you, man, for coming on. How are you? Welcome to the show. This is an honor. Um, I am... There is no other honor like being grouped into the guests you've had in the past couple of months. I mean, man, some real good company. I'm, I'm excited to join this elite roster of guests that you've had on, on Normal Guy Lazy Eye. Uh, honored, to say the least here. Wow. Thank you so much. Thank you. so. Who's your who's OK? I don't want to like you don't have to pick favorites, but do you have a an episode that really caught your eye lately oh, from God. Normal Guy Lazy well, Eye? I mean, I was extremely impartial to Zade because that was something that like whenever we talk to him, it's like, you know, here's the business topic going on and it, let's just talk about it. But it was cool to have him sort of pepper you questions back uh, live. That was he one of did. my favorite segments, and I hate to take the yes. cop-out answer because I know Zade pretty well, but um, yeah. And then Lydia Keating, too. Uh, Rhode Islander, who I didn't even know was right in my backyard. Uh, she was yes. awesome. There was a brief moment where I was like, I tried to con- convince myself that I was on a, a fitness kick, and I'm like, no, you know, maybe I'll join this running club that comes up, and I, I have not even thought about it since then, so um, <laughs> sorry, Lydia, nothing against you. Yeah, two. those are the two episodes that stick out for me. I love it. Yeah, no, um, the, the Zade interview was perfect because it was – that night was when – like, I am a big Peloton – like, I drink the Kool-Aid. I, ha- I mean, you've seen it on the podcast. I've talked about it on the podcast. I'm a big Pelotoner, and it was the day that the CEO stepped down, and they were going to have a new CEO, and the stock mark, the stock was crashing, and all that stuff. So it was fun to talk about that stuff. And then when I get, opened the segment to him, letting like letting him just ask me anything, it went full on to like really deep down, like why podcasting, like what's so great about it. And that it, like, was no one had really thing. ever asked me that. Yeah, yes, that was another yep. big debate where I almost was reflecting too. I'm like, oh shit, are we just a part of? You know, this this huge group like this podcast market's massive. But when Zade dumbed it down to I think his exact quote was like, oh, you know, every podcast sort of goes like this. 
You start talking, you do your little monologue. If you've got a co-host, you do it with them. You have a guest on, and then you close it out. It's like, are we that predictable? And I was like, man, he got the secret formula. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, it's funny. I guess. I guess. It it was was interesting. And he's doing awesome things. I wish him all the best. I know you guys just had him on again. So, uh, yeah, he's he's awesome. I absolutely love it. But I guess – to start, you know, I was saying on this show here, every story has a beginning, and I want to start at your beginning. What was life growing up like in the Zimmer household, and how would you say sports had such an impact on your life growing up? Yeah, I get this question a lot. I was born and raised in Fairfield County, Connecticut, way down uh, in the, the sort of panhandle of Connecticut. And mm. <laughs> the folks, yeah, can you the call that thing a panhandle? It's like, it's like, 20 miles wide so i guess the tail end yeah the tail of of connecticut the square that's there as many people call it unjustly too connecticut i I thought was a fine state growing up but now uh now that i'm in rhode island and you know frequenting massachusetts everybody's giving me a lot of crap uh for being from connecticut so (laughs) shame on those people uh, because it was a fine state it's one of those states it's one of those states though (laughs) it is they now let me be clear it deserves some of it it deserves some of the stuff it gets um but the drivers are insane. Oh, I gotta say, I mean, that's the, where I draw the line. Yeah, almost everybody from Connecticut is totally insane. Um, yes, the drivers are at the. Whenever I see a Connecticut driver's, you know, license plate on any Rhode <laughs> Island or Massachusetts highway, I'm like, oh god, and I'm one of them. So <laughs> I don't know. Maybe it's hypocrisy. Maybe it's just uh, a bias. I don't know. But yeah. So regardless, I grew up in the part of the state that it wasn't really acceptable. Uh, th- there was no individual fan base, right? So if you're from Massachusetts, anywhere past, uh, you know, Central Mass and in, you typically root for the Red Sox and the Patriots and s- the Celtics and the Bruins, things like that. Um, if right. you were from the New York confines, you know, sort of a toss-up between the Yankees and the Mets. Um, I grew up in an area where there was everything of everything. So mm-hmm. I'm a Yankees and Patriots fan, and – Whenever, any time I get that look a lot too. Any time that anyone challenges me, they say, "You can't do that. Why do you do that?" It's very simple. Yes. I grew up watching the two best athletes to play their sport ever: Derek Jeter and Tom Brady. That okay. simple. Um, okay. Grew up watching Derek Jeter. So you just learned the term bandwagoner at a much earlier you can, age. You can say that. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but if I were a bandwagoner, I would have given up on the Cam Newton Patriots. I would have given up Fair. on. The struggle bus Yankee years of I was gonna say hard to say that right now hard to uh, right. say hard to say the struggle <laughs> yeah, it's bus not, it's not definitely yeah. not struggle bus these last couple of years no way the hundred right. wins every year I, I'll take that uh, that'll be just <laughs> fine but no it's pretty simple you know I I grew up around sports um you know wanted to be Derek Jeter for a brief time I realized that was pretty much out of the question um played baseball growing up but my biggest memories I didn't have a TV in my room um. You know, was uh had to. I was in a pretty not really a sheltered household, but you know, it was a it was a close family environment. You know, my mom, my dad, my two sisters were all in the house, and you know, bedtime was around eight nine o'clock uh, yeah. as a kid. And what I most vividly remember about childhood was the radio I had in my room. My dad would put the radio in my room. He'd put on. Uh, at the time, it was 880 and uh, WCBS 600 that the Yankees were on. And I'd listen to John Sterling and Susan Waldman called the end of the Yankee games. Um, if I was really invested in it, I would stay up until 10 o'clock when the, when the last pitch was. 
Um, then I didn't even want to turn it off, right? I, I remembered John Sterling and it, on TV, Michael K, right? Which sometimes when I was allowed to stay up a little bit later. Um, I remember, you know, just the, the iconic calls of Jeter jumping into the crowd and uh, some of the World Series victories uh, as I got a bit older. And that was sort of uh, the seed in my head, like, wow, how cool would it be to work in sports? These guys get to talk about sports and they get paid. So that was really right. – that fueled my fire. It wasn't necessarily the, the glory of the athletes. It was, wow, how cool would it be to talk about it? Exactly, exactly. I do got to ask, though. You know, I, I just hinted at the fact that it's hard to say you know, hard to say the Yankees had some, some garbage years because of their success this year. Is it the year, though? I mean, this is a Boston-based podcast, so be careful with what you say. But you guys are looking awfully good. However – always pans out this way you know june july august you guys are riding high and then something happens something goes horribly horribly wrong <laughs> i will say i don't know if it is the year it, the numbers certainly look like it's trending that way i think yes. they have the longevity to get it done i will say if this isn't the year i don't know what is and i don't know what <laughs> this team's going to look like next year potentially without aaron judge that um, could be I, bad I, I, it, it's hard to imagine that guy not in a Yankees uniform. And that's the thing. You know, I get asked a lot. Will and I debate this every week. We're like, yeah. well, what, where would he go? Where else? Who's going to pay him more? My only, my only thought, and this is after weeks, <laughs> if he's not in a Yankee uniform, he's with the Mets. And it's that simple. I know. I And, and how much does it pain you that, like, the year that the Yankees are – far and away the best team in baseball that the only other team that people are talking about are the next door neighbors and the Mets. I don't, uh, does it paint? Doesn't it just grind your gears? I, I feel like it should, but it doesn't. I'm honestly happy that the Mets kind of got it together because think about, you know, I just mentioned, I, I was far too young, you know, I'm 25 years old. I was four years old when the subway series world series happened, but um, right. that was so cool. If we could right. get that for a couple more years, like, wow, we're in the prime of uh, our lives watching this baseball where the two New York teams are in the World Series, how cool right. would that be? I mean, even Red Sox-Mets back in the day in the 86 was, obviously, the Sox were on the, the wrong end of it. We won't talk about that any further, but um, right. <laughs> crazy stuff, right? I, I think that baseball is so much better when the Yankees and the Mets are both good. And I'm rooting for the Mets, Fair actually, enough. this year. I'm rooting for the Mets to make it and then have their uh, have their hopes and dreams come crashing down at the hands of the Bronx Bombers. <laughs> I love it. You know, I grew up in, in, in Southern California, and everyone talked about the Subway Series and how cool would it be to have a, a what we would call the Freeway Series or the 405 Series, maybe <laughs> some would change the name to. But I don't see a, a glimmer of hope for the team out in Anaheim, it's I I I don't want to I don't want to steal this guy's line, but it's it's every every time with the Angels, they have the two biggest names in baseball. You could say may, maybe second and third, whatever, but it's they 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 do something unbelievable every single game, and they still lose eight to three. You yeah, know, that's like amazing. Shohei will will pitch seven innings and ten strikeouts and give up one run. You know, Trout is batting 500, two homers, whatever, and they'll lose eight to three. <laughs> I, I don't get it, and I don't know. Like I, I have, I find myself to be 
pretty knowledgeable and educated on on these things and i just can't figure out what the hell is wrong with the angels i mean they have like you said the two i I will say easily the two most talented guys in the sport yes um and you have it's not like they're they're awful they have some pieces right their pitching's right. fine. I mean, it's not like those team. are the only two people on the team. Yeah, right. I mean, Taylor Ward Although was feels a borderline like <laughs> all-star this year. Yeah, it uh, definitely feels like it sometimes. But, I mean, you look at a guy like Ward, who was nearly an all-star. Um, they have the right pieces. Is it the managers or the culture? I don't know. Um, I wrote a blog on this. If Joe Madden can't do it, I, I don't know who can. I can't go around the baseball community and say that's a guy that can lead the Angels because I would have picked Joe Madden in the first place. Yeah, they got to go to, like, they just got to get the college coach from, like, Long Beach State or Cal State Fullerton and just let him try it. <laughs> I mean, you got nothing to lose. I, I mean, you already paid Mike Trout the, the, every single dollar in the world, and Shohei's either going to get a bigger contract with Anaheim or go somewhere else. Why not just try it with somebody that's never done this before? I mean, just let former Los Angeles Angel Albert Pujols manage. He'll be unemployed at the end of the year. He will be, unless, I mean, if ESPN is picks that, I mean, I'm not telling ESPN how to do their job, but (laughs) it it seems like they should probably pick him up. He's you know. Albert Pujols is a guy that I feel like he's going to want to lay low for a bit, enjoy his family. His family's very close to him. Um, I think he's he's got at least two kids, but I, I don't know that that is a total long shot. Um, yes, but what it's fun to it's fun to imagine, right? Yeah, it is. It is, and you know maybe one day when Trout is like on his last year, they'll they'll like somehow win a, a World Series or something. He might go down as the Dan Marino of of baseball. I don't in, know. In all honesty, he might, and I'm worried it's trending that way. We were just talking about like, can he even hit 500 homers at this point? And I think he can. I think he's got enough in the in the bag for it. Nothing's guaranteed with him right now, though. He's starting to get hurt a bit more. He's uh, his mm-hmm. longevity is sort of. I don't want to say like he gets hurt all the time, but it's he's slowing down once he hit the thirties. Yeah, yeah. Oh, don't we all? Don't we all? I'll <laughs> find out. But so another topic I want to talk about with you on sports before we get into a little bit more about you specifically, I I have to thank you, uh, big time. I owe I owe you a lot actually, and I talked to your co-host about this, and I'm almost stunned that you didn't actually do this. Uh, you wrote a blog coming up on the U.S. Open, um, and you probably weren't the first person to mention this. <laughs> oh yeah, but you know what I'm you know what I'm getting at here. Oh yes, I do. Yeah. Okay, so I was like, you know, I, so I went on Saturday. It was great. It was a fun time. So obviously, having going to the to the U.S. Open before the U.S. Open started, I wanted to put some put some bets on, see what see what see what could happen. And I, you know, I like my guy Spieth. You know, he's he's finally turning the page. I think he's finally getting some good some good starts. You know, you got to throw something on Rory. You got to throw something on Zaltoris because that that balloon's going to pop any any major at this point. But then I read your blog, and and you know I went through your you know Joaquin Neiman. I took that. That didn't pan out. Yeah, he was. You know, for the first round lead. Yeah, but all the way at the bottom, your your pick was a guy by the name of Matt Fitzpatrick. And why'd you pick him? Well, because he won the U.S. Amateur there. Why And not? I said, that makes sense. Why not? He stayed and with sure his host enough. family. He's, uh, he, the, the star, there were just too many stars. Shame on me. I should have put way more. Shame on you. 
I should have sprinkled. I couldn't believe it. Or I, I, I should say, I, I did sprinkle. I should have put way yes. more. I should have put like a hundred bucks on that. I would have been. I should have too. I mean, I, that's how everyone says it, right? Yeah. Like after, you know, you're, you're sitting there. I mean, I remember, I was, I'll tell you the story. We, you know, we went on Saturday and Saturday was just the day that the course ate everybody alive. Yep. And I was like, I don't know who's going to win this thing. If, if they wake up Sunday morning and decide we're not playing this course, that might happen. And who knows, you know. But yeah, we're going down then, to uh, TPC Boston or something just to finish it up. Yeah, yeah, change change the whole course, please. But I, it, you know, Sunday Fitzpatrick was just going off and going off, and I didn't tell anybody yet that I was that we were, who we were with, and and then I remember it's like the last night they make the turn, and I go, I actually have a, a little be- a little wager on on Fitzpatrick, <laughs> and and everyone's like. No, you don't. And I was like, here it is. And everyone's like, oh, God, like we have to root for this guy. And I remember sitting – we were watching in a hotel room, and I remember Zal Torres' putt, and I, I thought it was in. I mean the line was perfect. The speed was perfect. Everything – I mean he thought it was in. Everyone thought it was in. I mean, after after the the heart attack I had of, of Fitzpatrick hitting it into the bunker, and I was like – and every commentator – Going, that's the worst shot in golf. He just oh. made the the mistake of his life, or something like something along those lines. And I was like, okay, a little dramatic, much, but okay. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I just remember Zel Torres going down on his knees and the putt not going in, and I was like, I just won. You know, I thought I won the U.S. Open. <laughs> and you might as well have. I mean, yeah. Oh, what a golf's such a cruel game. Sometimes it is just unforgiving. I mean, I. I come back to the Travelers Championship the week after in Connecticut, and you talk about the mm. worst golf shot. So hit the gala. He goes in. He's got a one-stroke lead on uh, Xander Schofley, and he's in the bunker. You want to talk about the worst golf shot of all time? Oh, uh, yeah. He swung and oh, missed yeah. it. He hit I know. The sand That's what I do. That's what I did three times on Saturday. Yeah, swung I mean, I, I, wish I, <laughs> I wish I could say, like, wow, I would never do such a thing. But, like, I do that probably three, four times a game. Yes. No, um, he's one of us. <laughs> <laughs> I wish he was one of us because that's, like, a compliment right. to us. But, um, yeah. But, yeah, I mean, like, it is such a cruel game. It's unbelievable. So, for – for Fitzpatrick to sort of take that moment and to turn it into a U.S. Open win, I- I'm happy for him. That That is oh, unbelievable. I'm, I'm for him. That's one of the best stories in this sport. It's such a transformational time this year. Like, yes. when there's going to be lawsuits with the PGA, there, there probably is going to be some sort of uh, class action that forms with the live guys and even the PGA guys and saying, you're a monopoly, right? Uh, you guys are offering us nothing. But what a moment at a critical junction of the sport when there's never been more eyes on it to have this dude that won the U.S. Amateur nine years beforehand at the same course, stayed with the same host family, and he wins Mm. the U.S. Open. That's unheard of. I know. Unheard of. All right, I'll give you a, a redeeming point here because now now you got to go all in on your pick for for the uh, for the for the open itself, um, as they say in, at St Andrews, the open, not the uh, you know not the U.S. Open. The, it's the, uh, the open, yes. The open. Do you have? I'll, you don't have to get. Okay, I'll, I'll say who are the three that you're going to be betting on to finish top ten, oh. and who's your outright winner? Okay, so you caught me off guard because I haven't picked, but. 
I it I does start in, in a day. You do know, okay? I, yes, I, it's one thirty-five a.m. It tees off. That's not great. Um, all right, <laughs> so I have not a lot of time. Um, I I have to like one of those stars align moments. You have to take Max Homa this week because have you seen his tweets? Where two thousand thirteen, he said, "Hey, I just won the Pac-12. I, you know, I'm I'm this amateur golfer coming up. Can I get a practice round with you?" And now he. Screw the practice round. How about you tee off with them uh, first thing in the morning at the opening? I know. Like that's and, where... and, and guess who's in that threesome? Our buddy, Matt Fitzpatrick. Oh, he's the other one? Wow. Oh my he's God. the other one, yeah. I just bet all three of them. One of them's got Right? There you go. Um, I just made this question really easy for you. Here's your top three. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah, I guess so. But Homa's going to be one that I, that I pick. Um, okay. I will sprinkle some. I'm going to be very conservative with Tiger this time around. Um, the only reason I'm even going to put some money on him is because he had, like, he was crystal clear when he's like, hey, I'm not fit. I want to get ready to play St. Andrews. Um, I'm going to take him at his word. He's earned it. So Mm. he'll be one. And then, man, I actually have really been liking the way Patrick Cantley has played the past couple of months. Now, these past few weeks have been a bit rocky. I'm not sure how he did, um... I know he sort of just fell apart on the last day at the Travelers, um, and mm-hmm. I need to find out how he did the past two or three weeks. But, um, you know, he, he's been very close. He has executed really well on days two and three and even four. Um, I saw Patrick Cantley at the Travelers Championship when he was an amateur, he set the course record for an amateur. I think he shot a it's either a 60 or a 61, so always a warm spot in my heart for him. I think he's due. He's got to win something soon. All right. There you go. There's your three. I mean, I was going to say I think Spieth is due, and yeah, is I, due. I actually put a future on him before the Scottish Open, and that would be amazing if he can kind of replicate what he did there. Um, he did – I don't. I I might be misquoting it, but didn't he say he's afraid that the U.S. Open or the the Open might be too easy? He might have said that about the Scottish Open. Oh, but either way, that, that might be that. Good. That's probably not a good quote. Um, <laughs> I I Rory Rory is due for a major. It was infectious to see him at the U.S. Open. That oh. guy is he just draws crowds. Um, and the roars are real. Um, and, and you got to throw something at Tiger to either finish like top 10, you know, just, you do it for the love of the game. If you throw a little cut. bit on Shoffley, how he's playing, I mean, kind of like your, your, your guy too. Like it's just, he's just been, he's been winning. I mean, he, he's a winner right now. You got to yeah. pick him, I guess. So yeah, those are my um, three. What does he have? I think he's got two two wins this year. One of them was not solo. He actually won it with Patrick Cantley, his best friend. So, um, right, it, it's it's one of those that you can ride the hot hand, and I think that's a a good smart play here. Um, I I am looking as well. The last time the Open was at St Andrews, there were two guys that held all four majors, and both of them have already been mentioned by you, Spieth and McIlroy. They held all four of them. I'm just saying. Hey, just saying. That I'm not just saying. Bet responsibly. Call 1-800-GAMBLER yes, if you have a problem. But yes. <laughs> I'm just saying. That might be – if history repeats itself, we're going to have uh, we're gonna have one of those two guys coming out on top. 
I think so. I think so. All right. So we got our golf out of the way. We got our baseball out of the way. Let's let's talk more about you specifically. So obviously growing up in Connecticut, like you said, you went on to study at Bryant University where you majored in leadership and innovation. Now, it's not every day that you find someone with this type of major. So I want to ask, how did you land at this major and what did you put your uh, – I guess what did you do to put yourself in a position then – to where you are right now? Yeah, that's a really good question. This was a brand new program at Bryan, and I was sort of this discombobulated kid coming in. I was, I had my eyes set on going to Fordham in the Bronx, and then I got my financial aid package, and I looked at it, and I go, yeah, that's not happening. Um, mm -hmm. Fordham, I think, sticker tuition right now is probably over 80 grand a year, and uh, unless you are even if you are insanely wealthy, that's pretty tough to pull off. You know, you have to spend yeah. 320K in addition to increases year over year on, on college tuition. It's it's not practical for most of America here. So had to go back to the drawing board. And the way that I ended up at Bryant was actually kind of just luck of the draw. Uh, I was down to two schools. Um, I had to start my college search over, really, uh, just with the schools that I had applied to. And realistically, the ones that I – I knew I wanted to go to were either Bryant or St. John's in, in Queens. Um, I liked Bryant a tiny bit better. Um, it, my story differs greatly from a lot of folks that went to Bryant were like, I fell in love. This is exactly what I wanted. It wasn't a right. story like that for me. It was just like, all right, this is what I've been dealt. Let's see if we can make this work. Um, mm -hmm. And I think, it, you know, the sports, I kept coming back to the sports, right? It was like, I want to set myself up for – to have a nice long business career and, you know, maybe uh, maybe start a business or something like that and and also see where the sports thing takes me to. Uh, I was big into student radio the first couple of years that I was there. Uh, I had a show called Zimmer Down with Jake Zimmer. Um, That's a great name. talk show. Why don't you – you got to keep that. You got to trademark that. It, it, I'm not saying it's not going to come back <laughs> in some facet. I don't really know. It, it will be there. It's on the back burner. It's – that's that's a heck of a name. It's just man. On the, I wish I had that. Yeah, <laughs> it's just on the uh, uh, ironic that uh, I'm about to say simmer as well. It's just simmering in the back, right? But sure, it's simmering in the back. It, yeah, correct. It. You're picking yeah, up yeah. what I'm putting down here. Um, yeah, no, I get it. <laughs> it's it's creative stuff, man. But yeah, we had. Uh, to me, this was the world. You know, I, I dragged my roommate at the time and a couple other buddies, and, like, we just sent out some Hail Marys to some retired NFL players, and a few of them got back to us and came on the show. And I'm like, all right, mm. this is – if I want to do this long term, this is some pretty decent practice, right? It's, like, low stress. Realistically, what? Maybe we have two, three people listening uh, on the entire campus. Maybe maybe one of them uh, – maybe our parents are tuning in, whatever. Um, right. So – so that's the long-winded way of saying, you know, I just kind of fell into Bryant and, um, you know, ended up choosing leadership and innovation out of, like, uh, I think I, I changed majors three times. First, it was entrepreneurship. I'm like, oh, I want to start my business, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, I don't know the first thing about finance, accounting, all this stuff, and I can learn it, too. But, like, I actually, like, what am I going to do with an entrepreneurship degree if I – and not trying to, you know, diminish what value that degree brings because I think it's extremely valuable. But I wanted something a little bit more – uh, tangible, right? So ended well, up. It, it, yeah, go ahead. It's real, real quick. It's so funny because the entrepreneurship degree is so interesting to me, right? Like there is a really, really good school just down the road from here that has an unbelievable entrepreneurship program in Babson, oh, absolutely. right? 
but we had we had Georgia Perkins on the show. She's an she's a entrepreneur by trade, you know, health coach, fitness coach type of entrepreneur. And she said she actually like almost hated the classes at Wake Forest in entrepreneurship. Not that they were bad classes, but it's hard to teach someone how to start their own business because you're you're teaching them how to to do it themselves. Like that doesn't make it kind of sounds like an oxymoron a little bit. So entrepreneurship seems like kind of an interesting thing to study because at the end of the day, like you're going to have to end up to just do it. You know what I mean? So right. it, it's, it's a extremely very... multidisciplined, um, which I yes. really like. And I, I ended up getting to the point where, you know, I, I was, I was at a point in school where I was heavily involved in the advocacy programs for entrepreneurship, like collegiate entrepreneurs organization. I was a president for, um, for four months and was on the board for about two years at Bryant. And, we vigorously advocated for a lot of that entrepreneurship programming. It's like, hey, you can go and learn from these successful and exited entrepreneurs and people that have been recruited and they were successful executives but went to startups and things like that. That's so right. valuable. But right. for me, it was either, you know, you either had it or you didn't, right? And I think I, I had a little bit of that drive and desire, and I think I do, and eventually that's the goal, right? You know, uh, we're – we took the plunge with with House Enterprise. Obviously, it's uh, right now where we're at. It's extremely low risk because we have day jobs, right? And <laughs> because we have um, places to live, right? We didn't like have to right. mortgage our future to do the things we're working on, um, right? But yeah, that it, it's very interesting because it just I, I think a lot of people go into that and they don't really know what they want to do. They just know they want to start a business at some point. Whereas for me, it was well perfect timing with our management program branching off into uh, project management and then leadership and innovation a bit more abstract a bit more um this is why this is what good leaders do here's the science behind it here's the theoretical approaches that apply to their style of leadership um and that i think helped greatly um in product management now i started off uh, at schneider electric um spent or i still am there now spent two years in the sales force and then went over to product and i think that's really helped you know my role is basically just influencing people all day Right. It's convincing mm -hmm. senior leaders to it's building a business plan, convincing senior leaders that that is necessary and and running it up the chain. And you have to do that with. Yeah, you know, it's a manager, but I don't approve people's expense reports like all I'm managing is a portfolio. <laughs> right. Right. So it's in that sense. That's how I ended up in, in that sort of line of education. And I think it really benefited, um, you know, throughout the first two years of my career. Absolutely. Now, back to your Bryant days, you lived with our other co-founder, Will Tondo, uh, dating back to 2016. I know we just talked about you guys actually just moved out from living together for the first time in a long time, but you guys were notorious for bouncing ideas off of each other. What would you say like, kind of started that, and I get, what were some of the first few ideas? Because you said like you had that entrepreneurial bug, and when we get those, kind of those first few ideas are a little bit um, big picture. Right. Yeah, I, I mean, I come back to the early days. Yeah, so Will and I, we, I pledged my fraternity my freshman year in 2016, and then he came his first semester sophomore year, so that's when we really got pretty close. Um, yeah, it was one of those that it, it just clicked, right? Like, we understood each other, like, you know, we're both kind of same, similar backgrounds, you know, somewhat like-minded. And I think, honestly, I keep coming back to the first idea we had was to make a brewery. Um, right. 
We both love craft beer. We're like, well, how cool would that be if we could make a brewery? So that's honestly what stemmed a lot of the stuff we're doing now. It's like down the road, if we could open up a brewery knowing the things we do and the people we've talked to and the, the struggles they faced and the areas of success that broke through and how to market yourself and a brand and things like that. Um, it's just kind of wild to think back like, wow, 2016, 2017, like that was one of the first things out of our mouth. Um, and that's what I keep coming back to. It's, it's kind of nuts. Yeah, and what was that like for you? Like, you know, uh, House Brewing kind of was started officially in 20, 2019, 2018. But what was it like for you kind of brewing these beers out of, out of not I would say thin air, right? Like you, you have to yeah, you got to do well it. Might as well be thin air, yeah. Right. <laughs> but like right in your apartment. What is that like? I mean, kind of now bringing the ideas to the forefront, to the front burner, not letting them simmer in the back, zimmer in the back, excuse me. Uh, <laughs> but I mean, because like that's not that's not something that you just that's not like a hobby like knitting where you can just put it in a bin and put away. Like there's a lot of big big parts and moving parts in crafting breweries. So, Will and I moved in to real world apartments in 2019. Um, God, this must have been September or October of 2019 where we had thought about this stuff. There was a sale on Northern Brewer. I forgot who sent it to who, but we're like, all right, come on. The, the home brewing kit is less than 200 bucks. <laughs> it's either now or we don't do it, basically. So right. we didn't think, and we just like, oh, God, like $100, which was a lot of money to us at that point. It still is. Arguably still is now, right? <laughs> it's like, oh, you know, 100 bucks. Like, what are you spending this on, right? It's like, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't know. But but that was like, oh, that's a big purchase at that point. Um, so we just got it, and we we got the kit. It was a fresh squished IPA that we called Lofty IPA because we were uh, – we lived in the U.S. rubber lofts. I had an idea that we could take the skyline of U.S. rubber, um, put it on the can, and I actually think – is it up here? Let me find out. Um, no, shit, I don't have it. That's, that's sad. <laughs> um, but I do have our first beer right here that we signed. You can barely see it. <laughs> um, it, come, it came with this this uh, Northern Brewer-like, you know, run-of-the-mill cardboard sticker that you could sign. You could put the brewer. You could put the IBU. We put House Brewing Company on it, too, because we're like, well, might as well just uh, – might as well just – Walk the walk, too. We, we call ourselves right. this, you know, there there will be future renditions of House Brewing Company, but right now it's it's making good craft beer uh, at home. And I love it. if, you know, if uh, we, we'll, we'll give it out, but, uh, and we will accept donations. Um, <laughs> obviously, you can't brew beer and sell it to the public from your kitchen. Um, right. <laughs> but the FDA would not be too happy with us there. No, but we accept donations. Yes, right. <laughs> but right. If you you know, giving beer to friends is what we're all about. If you feel like you want to donate, if you will, right there you go. There you go. I love it. I love it. So besides being a brewmaster yourself, you're you have quite the resume when it comes to sports announcing. As I mentioned at the top of the show, you've done work at Bryant, Providence, BU, but also the Boston Bruins, and most recently the PLL. You know, you, you talked about the story of kind of listening to the radio as a kid growing up and listening to the Yankees, but how did and, – and then obviously at Bryant, like, doing the radio show, how did moving to PA announcing and, and sports announcing kind of start? Yeah, so I was a student worker at Bryant, and 
very much like, you know, calling the, I don't want to say obscure sports because I think every sport sort of has their niche, right? But the less trafficked ones in our environment were soccer, um, what else? Uh, women's outside basketball. the big five, right? right? It's I mean, it, outside of the basketball, football, yeah, it you know, was hockey, soccer. whatever. that didn't draw as well as they did at other schools, right? And it was sort right. of uh, the way it worked was, you know, you, uh, student worker, you get stuck on those and, and you sort of rise up the ranks, right? So by the time I was a senior, was getting some more reps and whatnot. And the marketing uh, director that's no longer at Bryant, she went up to me. It was a it was an afternoon in August. I was on campus early in my senior year to uh, to help them out, work a few games. And she had gone up to me and said, "Hey, do any of your friends want to be the uh, the public address announcer for men's basketball this year? Um, you know, we've got a new coach. We've got new seats. Like, you know, we just need a, a vibe in the you know change of the energy. The old right. The the previous PA announcers were you know they were fine, nothing great, nothing horrible, but they just needed a, some new mojo in there." Um, and I looked at her, and I said, Heather, I, I screw my friends. I, <laughs> none of my friends want to do – I want to do this, right? Right. Like, I would go and, like uh, – you know, some of my earliest memories with, like, the PA announcing kind of stuff is I'd go to UConn basketball games. You know, they'd announce names like Hashim Thabit and Kemba Walker and stuff, and I'd be uh, – again, just the coolest thing for me. So mm-hmm. – so – when that opportunity came, it was, you know, I was a senior in college uh, doing public address for a Division One basketball program. And granted, this was the same Bryant program that went 3-28 and the year before, right? They, they talked about it this year when they made the tournament. It's like, wow, look at the job that Jared Grosso did. He gutted this team from 3-28 and and, you know, turned it into this. Well, little does most of the world know, you're looking at one of the only guys that had to sit through all of that crappy basketball, right? Right. Any non-team personnel, you know, I was, with the exception of maybe, maybe two home games, I saw every single home game from that stretch, and it got ugly in the early years. Yeah, yeah. But it was a time to try new stuff, right? I I didn't know what the hell I was doing, and I wouldn't pretend to, right? Um, I, I tried to brand myself as this guy that could figure it out, um... And, you know, came, did some homework, but uh, screwed some things up, said three when it was a two, you know, called fouls on the wrong guys. And, um, you know, lucky enough, I had some senior leaders that vouched for me and, you know, sort of were willing to learn with me in that process and not give up on me, you know, six months in. Um, And if I hadn't had that, my career would have been over or it would have been very much a step back and and put me at a disadvantage. So I'm really happy to have. You know, I was on the right end of a, a pretty large bet for a Division One school, and it and it paid off for everybody. Yeah, you really were. Um, I gotta ask though, too. I I can imagine kind of with the span of of game tape that you have, or kind of game experience that you have, the atmosphere at a BU hockey game versus the atmosphere at the Boston Bruins can be a little bit different. But I want to ask your approach is virtually the same, correct? I mean, you probably take that as the same opportunity, whether it was a 3-28, and, twi- and 28, uh, excuse me, Bryant basketball game or, you know, your first time being the PA announcer at TD Garden. What's kind of your approach like going into each of those appearances? You know, some of the best advice that I've ever heard, it was given to me through a podcast. I was a senior in uh, at Bryant. And was going up to UMass Lowell for my first gig. I, I thought I was the hottest, like, the coolest dude ever. I'm like, cool, this is 
I'm a senior and I'm going on America East TV. This is so cool. Like, I'll get my 50 bucks a game and run with it. Yeah. Um, well, right. I know that's like 50 bucks a game. That's like, that's big. No, but that's, that was big it money. Was big money to the Don't guy talk that like was, that. Yeah. That was like, you know, that got me right. through with, uh, with beer and a couple dinners of Chipotle that week. So, right. Right. Might even get you a dinner on Federal Hill. <laughs> Let's not get crazy. If you save up enough. Uber if, you, there. If, you sa- if you save up enough. If you save up enough. Yeah, okay. you really have to three, make some three or smart. four games. Three or yeah, four games. Maybe three yeah. or four for the, the way I ate on Federal Hill senior year. Yeah, I needed I needed a little bit more than fifty bucks. Love it, love um, it. <laughs> but yeah, I was listening to and I forgot the name of the podcast. Uh, a guy named Logan Anderson hosted it. Uh, good dude. He he calls a few ju- junior college sports out in Indiana or um, you know somewhere in the Midwest. I think. He interviewed Brian Anderson, who's one of my favorite play-by-play guys. Uh, does a lot of uh, college basketball. He does the Milwaukee Brewers. He does some NBA. He actually voices 2K now, too, which I think is pretty cool. That's um, sick. Yeah, excellent dude. He's done it the right way. Stand-up guy. He's a family person. Um, I could go on for hours about Brian Anderson. But in the play-by-play context, Logan asked him, he said, well, you know, how does – he basically asked me what you just did. He said, well, how does your approach change? You know, how do you conserve your voice? Like, and, you know, th- do you bring the same intensity to everything? Um and B.A. gave the best advice that still is back here, and I try to still take that with me to a degree. It's you have to think about it on a 1 to 10 scale. And 10's the highest, 1's the lowest. Um, people know when a game is of no significance whatsoever, and you're screaming and yelling, they're like, what the hell is this guy doing? This is a, right. a meaningless regular season Wednesday night game. Um, right. So, you know, he, he and he made a good point. It's like, you know, if I'm doing some meaningless, relatively speaking, a meaningless, you know, Wednesday night game and, you know, both teams are in last place or whatever, I'm, I'm not ever going to go above a six. Even in the most, if it's a walk-off homer, can't really take it mm-hmm. above a six or seven. But if it's the right. NBA Finals and Draymond Green hits a three in somebody's face to win the game, you can take that up when, to ten. When, when is Draymond Green ever taking a game-winning three? <laughs> That's the thing. That was, I think what he right, said. Right, that said would like, be... You'd be at 11 if that was happening. Well, that's the thing. It's like some dude that doesn't normally do what he does, winning a game for somebody, right? I think um, – but so that that's always has subconsciously stuck with me. I, I feel as though that's it's a different environment when you're doing that in play-by-play versus public address, right? Because yeah. when you are a public address announcer and you're at TD Garden, you know, the game I did for the Bruins in March, it was against the New Jersey Devils. Ooh. They were – absolutely garbage they were like right. lindy ruff was on his last leg nico heischer was the best player they had on that team because jack hughes was hurt it's you know people th- this relatively speaking like in the grand scheme of things like if you ask bruce cassidy what that game meant to them it was probably just beat the crap out of them and move on like nobody cares but for the nineteen thousand fans in there they're there for a bruins game you know, if you don't keep that intensity relatively high, and, you know, subconsciously I can be saying, right, oh, there's a goal, or the Bruins are coming back out of the ice. I don't want to take this over a seven. Um, right. And, 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 you know, I, I've been doing this long enough that I sort of know what that feels like now. You can bring the intensity without screaming and yelling in front of everybody's face, right? Um, <laughs> you can make somebody excited to be there and use this to do it. And... That, to me, I think is what separates a great public address announcer from a good one, right? The ability to to sort of read into those moments emotionally, understand, you know, 
your limits and what levels the, the venue has and the crowd has and, and things of that nature. So that that's definitely, I would say, what the difference was between, you know, college Jake with no experience, you know, at that sort of larger level venue versus the, the person I am now, you know, having announced at MLS stadiums and Audi Field and Subaru Park and all that stuff. Um, that would be the main difference. And I think, um, you know, it's all in the approach. I like it. I like it. Now, I got to say, one atmosphere that has definitely gotten, as we've talked about, national attention, and, and you've talked about the climb from 3-28 and 28 to tournament-bound, is the, the school down in Smithfield, Rhode Island. Uh, as someone who has been there for three, you know, excuse me, for four years and have, having gone through this roller coaster, wh- how would you describe this past season, I'll say, in three words or less? Oh, God. Like 2021 to 2022? Oh. Yes. Long time coming. <laughs> and I think that I'll say it for many reasons, right? It's when Jared Grosso stepped in the building, I'll never forget, you know, it was a snowy day in April. I think it was April 2nd, 2018, when he had his presser in the library. Yeah, so <laughs> not, not in the actual library, but the, I should have clarified that. It was in, like, the banquet hall inside the library. It's Bellow. I don't okay. know how else to describe it. The Brian people listening okay. will know Bellow. Um, okay. But it's true. It's so Brian. It's like, all right, let's just introduce the, the basketball coach in the library that works. Um, right. <laughs> but he's this, you know, he's this young dude. I think he's he can't be more than 36 years old at this point. Um. A lot of good experience, has cut down some nets, uh, was the assistant coach at Iona for many years, now Iona University, which I think is so crazy they changed the name. Did you hear that? Uh, this is no breaking news to me. Iona University? They changed from Iona College to Iona University. Oh. As of today. You know, I, wow. Break, yeah, this, so this is breaking news. This is um, early. Yeah, they just I gotta, announced it. I got to say that, that that's going to be that's going to be weird to I mean for us mid-major uh, fans and <laughs> former athletes it's kind of weird to say like this isn't monumentous like like USC and UCLA joining the Big 12 uh, the Big 10 but um, that's like when my favorite is when like basketball commits um, say I just received an offer from Providence <laughs> oh, University yeah. that's oh, my that's PU. my favorite tweet I retweet it 100 times out of 100 PU That's my favorite I, I PU <laughs> It's incredible uh, there was somebody that tweeted uh, Boston College University a while ago. Oh, I think it was last the, year. the double, the double dip. That That's a good one. <laughs> and everybody retweets it and goes, well, which is it? <laughs> which, which one? We're on the edge oh, of our geez. seats. This is this has massive implications. You're playing in the ACC or the Patriot League, man. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's crazy. Oh, man. So he, would, he, he, he coached at Iona University, um, I, formerly I, known as Iona College. Iona University. Oh, that's so weird. That's going to take a while. But, yeah, so he walked in, and he's talking about, oh, we're going to cut nets down, and we're going to change this culture, and it's going to be a championship one. And how many freaking times have we heard that? Coach comes in. They say the culture's got to change. We're going to expect a win was one. Uh, You know, we're going to play hard. We're going to play with consistency. We're going to be the most conditioned group on the, the court or field or ice, whatever it is. I mean, I could yeah. if I had a dime every time I heard that, I wouldn't have to work. I could do this full time. Um, right, right, right. But he was the only one that came in there, and I actually looked at him and I believed him. He took out a picture. Uh, it was a piece of net from I think it was his first 
conference title where he cut down the net. He put it in his wallet. He goes, I carry this with me everywhere I go to remind me what the goal is. If we do not get to this point, it's a failure. And I sort of looked at him. I go, well, this might take a while, but, you know, because it's, you know, unless we get better guys, to be quite honest with you, um, and you know, right. improve from a dreadful 3-28, and um, I, I weirdly believed him. And it took a couple of years he had his rotation sort of mixed. There were some guys that were extremely poor fits. There were some guys that were good and just didn't pan out. You know, maybe didn't get playing time. Maybe had their differences with uh, the coaching staff with other players. But this is a long time coming. I mean, you bring in a guy like Peter Kiss, who I think is older than you and I. Um, yeah, I think so. I think he's on his eighth year of eligibility at this point. I, so I think, yeah, it's technically seven, and I think he just officially. Yeah, I think Will it. told me that there was a possible. Yeah, yeah. There's, he's I mean, not, I'd be in college forever if I was him. He doesn't believe the book's closed on Peter Kiss, Will. Like, every time Will and I are talking <laughs> about Brian, he goes, no, he's coming back. Like, no, he's not. Okay. But no, he's not. I think no. that door's closed. How many classes can he take at Bryant well, I, if I, he's on his seventh year of eligibility? There's some thing. things you just don't ask, you know. And I, I, people have asked me that. I'm I was like, gonna you say, know, we could do a whole episode on that. Yeah, I'm like, <laughs> I, I would. I'm gonna refer. I, I'm. I am. I'd rather ignorance is so bliss in this scenario. I'm like, I don't want to plead know. the fifth. I don't know. He yeah, could be plead taking the fifth crocheting on at Bryant, and I, I wouldn't care. Um, yeah, right. But yeah, it, a long time coming are the three words to describe this past year. I mean, I the, like the it. energy changed. Um, February 26th of this year, Wagner comes in and it's for the regular season title. Jared, I mean, I've announced so many high octane environments. I did the PLL championship at Audi Field in Washington, D.C., where so much was on oh, the line. It was on NBC. The stakes couldn't be higher. It was a Whip Snakes chaos for the second year in a row. And that didn't sniff the regular season championship at Brian didn't sniff it. And people looked at me I, with their jaw dropped. They're like, what the hell do you mean? This is, this is some low major scrub basketball. You don't know it until you walk in there because my God, I thought the roof was going to come off the place. Unbelievable I, stuff. I'll, I'll give you credit where credit is due, right? Uh, uh, I think that was the loudest. I'm sure you made the earthquake. In Smithfield, I don't think the, that town has heard. Um, first of all, I don't think that town has heard the words that have come out of some of those students' mouths in God knows how long. And I will, I will refrain from holding that. But um, it, it was, it was like, and I, and like, I don't want this to come off the wrong way, but it was like, like a, like a, like a freaking scene out of like a high school, like, like, a, like um, a Friday Night Lights type of deal. Where like it was do or die, like this is for the town, this is for the this is for Bryant, this is for whatever. I mean that was I'd never seen anything like that because of how intimate the setting was too. Like old school bleachers, you guys are getting a brand new unbelievable facility coming. So and congratulations we, on yes. that. But it like like people jumping on bleachers, like it was like old school rough and tough style environment. It was so cool to watch. <laughs> You know, after – so there were two of those games that stick out, right? And both of them were against Wagner this year. It was the regular yes. season championship, which I talked about. It was the you yes. know, the, the beginning of the year. There, that was the one with no fighting. That's what I like to describe. Um, right, the fightless and, you know, the one. the other one, you know, the disgrace at the chase, they're calling it. Um, you know, that, that maybe has to be had over a beer, that discussion. Um, but, <laughs> you know, that was one of those that despite all the crap that happened, despite all the BS that went down, 
you know, Will was in the building. I had my girlfriend sitting right behind me. That was the first time she had seen that in that environment. And afterwards, like, you know, I, I just sat and I had to stay there for another hour after and just take it all in. The guy, yeah. I'm going to tell a story here. The guy that sits next to me at every Bryant basketball game is the official scorer, a gentleman named Bill. Um, he's been working at Bryant for maybe 16 years. I think this was year 15 for him. He, uh, he I forgot what he did as a career, but he retired. He's like, I want to do something to keep me busy. Uh, was the equipment right. manager at Rick for a hot second, uh, worked for Rick for the book, um, and then came over to Bryant. You know, I, I have developed a really good bond with him these past few years you know we'll we'll sort of just like you know it, there's no bias on the press row technically but you know we'll make comments on like oh man what a terrible shot or like wow what a great defense right like oh crap right. these guys suck um <laughs> you know it was a lot of that and and for me to you know i i wasn't even thinking like after the game i went up and gave bill a big hug i'm like holy crap we did it man we're like we sat through agonizing stuff and you sat through way more of it you sat through you know 10 more years than i did um it's just that kind of stuff means a bunch. And, and for me to have that bond with him where I could just go up to him, give him a big hug. I'm like, holy crap, we did it. I think that encapsulated how special that environment was there this year. I love it. I love it. Now I got to ask about my friars, obviously. Come on, this, this wouldn't be a Providence alum oh, podcast. Yes, yes. Now, now, obviously, I am biased. So I, people are not going to care about my thoughts on this because they know my thoughts. But I do want to hear yours. It's a pretty simple question. It's open-ended. But what do you think makes a game at the dunk so hard for visiting teams? Why is it deemed where ranked teams go to die? What an awesome question. So I – I'm Yeah, that's, that's the best one I've got tonight. So I'm good friends with John Fanta. Uh, Fanta legend and I go back game. for legend of the game, yes, John Fanta, <laughs> total legend. He's uh, he hired me. 2019, I spent my last weekend in college. Uh, the week before I graduated, the Big East needed somebody to fill in at track and field. Um, at, on Randall's Island for the championship, I I reached out to Fanta. I said, "Oh yeah, here's my tapes, blah blah blah." You know, I'm, this, I'm yeah. a 21 year old kid, but I can do it. And he uh, he hired right. me. We've been friends ever since then. Um. Fanta is a Hall of Fame guest on Beers, Business, and Balls as well. He's been on three yes, times. Yes, and future, future guest of Normal Guy Lazy Eye. I'll, I'll oh, uh, sprinkle yeah. that into it. Absolutely. Yes, yes. He's actually been on four times now that I think about it. He's, uh, I think, the only four-time guest. Um, I love it. I love it. But, so, you know, I, I asked him that a while ago, too. I go, like, you know, I, why? Why is the dunk so special? He goes, this is the best venue in the Big East because – Number one, it's size, first mm. of all. Um, and that's actually – that was his big point. It was like the size of this venue is perfect for them because they're not going to have empty seats. Like 13,000 people in there, um, that's enough for it to get really loud. It's intimate enough where you give 2,000 kids a couple White Claws. Big some ones. Bud Lights. <laughs> yeah, some big, yeah, maybe not a couple. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they were. <laughs> let me rephrase. They were the game against Villanova. They opened the bars at nine. Like Brad's was open at nine. Um, yeah. Olds open at I think eleven o'clock. Um, yeah. And lines Late to were the game. out the door. Out. Yeah. The door. Um. Yeah, and when you get when you put rowdy kids in a thirteen thousand person arena, that thing's gonna jump. 
So I think mm -hmm. it's the size, and that's ultimately the factor here. When Fanta said that to me, I go, you know, you're right. Looked around the dunk, I'm like, this is pretty – it's a big venue, obviously, but it's intimate for Big East college basketball. Kind of like uh, – yeah. Kind of like the Finn at Villanova. Uh, much smaller, but mm. everything is mm. just so compact. And the students are so rowdy. Like, I've never seen a student section like like Friartown. It's unbelievable. It, it's crazy. And I, I guess I will give my two cents about this. Because I, I agree with you that the size is perfect for, for Friartown. But I go back to something like Cameron Indoor. And... You know, an arena like Cameron Indoor is so famous, obviously, for how how you know impeccable that program is at, at, at Duke. But you know, that's a small, intimate uh, you know arena, and obviously, Duke is is a great, great team. So it, it's going to get pretty loud. I think it's something about Providence's size of of the school itself and how. You're it's you're not just rooting for your basketball team, you're rooting for the guy that you sit next to in Civ. You're, you're rooting next. You're rooting for the guy that you go to to Ray with, you know. And and Providence has done such a good job, honestly. And I'm, I know I'm going to get flack for this, but I you know because I was a student athlete, so I'm gonna. But I'm going to say this: they don't really put basketball on this untouchable platform. They, trust me, they are the stars on campus. There's no question about that. Do they get special treatment? Sure, you can argue that. But they're in the same classes we're in, right? They have to go through the same sort of curriculum that we have to go through. So when we see our classmate on the court, it's not like this guy that is tied to my school by name or by jersey, like Duke, Kansas, Villanova even sometimes, right? It's it's my buddy, right? And I think like, and then you throw in the fact that you have like the New England SAS of Providence, and I'm talking more less of the student section, more of the locals that come to the game that just they bleed black and white, right? Like it is that. I mean, the student section is insane, but I mean, I gotta tell you, courtside they get pretty crazy. Yeah. It's it's ridiculous. That, that's an awesome point. You know, though, I'd like to see Draymond Green play a game at the dunk because I don't think be, he'll make it up. He'd be whining too much. Yeah, he'd be something would happen to him. I feel like a student would say something to him before he. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. A lot oh, of a yeah. lot of bad before things that could happen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You make an excellent point though. I could just see Clay Thompson. I I could say I could see Clay Thompson. He did go to my high school, so I'm also going to get flack for this. But he'll be like, "Stay classy, Providence. Stay classy, Providence," or whatever he did with Boston. Yeah, like yeah, such a yeah. joke. But you make an, an excellent point with the community ties, right? So my first game at Providence, you know, um, a shout out that I I love no athletics staff more than Providence College. I will say that mm -hmm. right now, like that every single person that works there, Jen Reinerson is one of the most authentic individuals I've ever met in my life. She hired me, um, you know, when I uh, when I left Bryant and was looking for work. You know, she she picked me up. Uh, was doing soccer, and the first three student workers I met, it was Alpha Diallo, Emmett Holt, and Khalif Young, and they came yep. up to me. I didn't know really who they were because I had never seen them. I didn't really keep up with Providence basketball until like 2019. So, you know, Emmett walked in. He goes, what's up, man? Emmett, nice to meet you. And then Alpha Diallo comes in, and everybody's like, awesome. Like, yeah. oh, I know you. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> and then David Duke walks in. And then, um, you know, a couple others. 
Uh, I think that might have been Lawan Pipkin's year that he walked into. <laughs> I'm like, whoa, all yeah, right, I love cool. It. Love um, it, love it. Yeah, but that's the thing. You know, to me, Emmett Holt was just the guy that sat next to me uh, helping the ops guys out. And, you know, that's just what it was. And mm-hmm. to find out, I'm like, oh, he's going to start in a couple of weeks uh, in this game against Merrimack. And after all he's been through, right, where he had to – this is a guy that had to fight for his life. Um, he right. had a condition that uh, almost left him – you know, it almost left him dead. They've, they've run many stories right. about it. Um, what a, a really nice guy, kind of soft-spoken, but, like, you know, a guy that was – I just knew him as Emmett, and that's it. Uh, yeah. I didn't know him as a Division yeah. One Big East basketball player. And I think that's still the same where David Duke walks in somewhere and he's just David. He's not the Brooklyn Nets two-way player and not being flocked for for autographs. He's he's just David. Yeah, and, and, and I think the athletic department and shout out to Bob Driscoll and the work that he's done. And I'm super excited to see what Naps does after. Let's go. I'm so but pumped for Nap. Yeah, it's going to be awesome. I, I just – it was never – this team's better than this team at Providence. It was, I mean, like, records speak for the records, but, like, everyone's putting in the work. Both both the student-athletes and the non-student-athletes are putting in the work to get the same degree that we're all trying to get. Right. I mean, and, so take that a step further, too. You, uh, Soccer's a perfect example, right? In the years that they weren't that great, you know, the, the crowd sort of reflected it. It's like, all right, cool, you know, 500 people or so. When they went to the NCAA tournament, right. though— the lawn packed the opposite oh side gosh. bleachers packed the lines for concessions yeah. packed i had to park uh on the street i usually have no problem going yeah. up you know parking in the garage i mean they show out these kids you know yes. make it part of their kind of thing where it's like oh cool soccer yes they're in the ncaa tournament we're gonna go watch round one we're gonna yeah sure we'll go pregame on eaton street and then go out after but like how hard cares? is life how right. hard is life in <laughs> exactly. Providence? yeah yeah <laughs> But yeah, I I, I I gotta say the soccer games, besides basketball and hockey, those games are obviously a, a blast. Catching a, a game of either soccer or lacrosse on Chapey Field is is, and if you're on the lawn, it's the best. It's the best. Absolutely, I, I am, it. and I've developed a, a pretty nice relationship with uh, with Coach Gabs, which you know, unfortunately, as time came to an end at Providence, uh, I'm I'm so stoked that he's going to be an assistant coach at Bryant, though. Um, I, I can't think of a better dude to have represented that program for the past couple of years. Um, you know, he, he had a lot to do with the Providence culture there. He carried it on. Uh, they sort of stumbled these past couple of years in a really tough conference, but that's another one. I mean, these lacrosse guys are uh, the families. Every time I walked out of there, I got offered plates of mac and cheese and <laughs> and ribs and steak on the grill. I'm like, what the hell did I do to deserve this? Um, right. Unbelievable. Right. It's for our family. It's Friar family. It is Friar family <laughs> over there, yeah. And I, I am like, I'm, I'm so pumped to even play less than a, a half a percent in, uh, you know, to be less than a half a percent of that slice of Friar family. I love it. I, it's a perfect segue into our next topic, right? Um, another, obviously, uh, uh, sport that you've announced is the ever-growing and very popular now, PLL or Professional Lacrosse League. I guess. Uh, I gotta want to ask you, as you've kind of seen this sport grow and mature, wh- why do you think it's become so successful over the past few years? 
That's an excellent question. And if I knew the answer, it'd probably be like, you know, right up at the commissioner's Butting up with Paul Rabel, right? right? (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, if I were able to point like, hey, this is why the sport's growing. I I think we can speak in general trends like, like, you know, the, the... the game's becoming more accessible. There are just more youth leagues around for sure. But I think really what it's boiled down to these past couple of years has been marketing and how the sport has been marketed. Uh, you even, mm-hmm. I've even heard Paul say this himself over the past couple of years. Um, the To compete with the MLL was not ever what he really intended to do, right? It was... It was very much a, hey, I'm doing this for the sport of lacrosse to grow. And what they saw was a gap, right? It was sort of half-assed marketing from most MLL teams. It was a lot based on the teams and whatnot, which is fine, right? You have to build up some sort of identity, but you saw dwindling attendance uh, reflected in ticket sales. Nobody wanted to sell ads in there. And Paul's sort of big idea was, well, why don't we treat these athletes like professionals that they are? Um, MLL players... They had full-time jobs, right? They, they would be taking calls during the week and going to play lacrosse on, on weekends. And the reality is that that's still true for a lot of these guys. But that sure. was Paul's goal. And Mike Rabel, I should say, his brother as well, the CEO now, um, you know, their goal was let's start branding these guys as the, the heroes and the professionals, right? Blaze Reardon, the, the goalie of the chaos now, he's, his tagline is the best in the universe, right? Love it. And that's just like that's, in my opinion, you know, the, the job that the PLL has done with marketing and branding and content creation is second to none. It doesn't rival any professional sports team, in my opinion, because of the way they excel at certain areas of content. I mean, we the other day, uh, you know, I was helping our, our production agency, you know, sort of we were having a staff meeting. They were trying to figure out how we're going to fill a spot between a couple of games, and they said, well, why don't we just take R.J. Kaminsky's vlog from this, uh, you know, the, the past week before, and it'll do really well. And the, the debate was sort of, well, it's 17 minutes. Like, you know, do, are we going to really run a 17-minute video and just expect to, to not cut it up? Sure <laughs> enough, they run the 17-minute video, and not an eye left the scoreboard because they were just so zoned in on what they were talking about, right? They, they excel at that long-form YouTube-length uh, sort yeah. of like, 15 to 20 minute content and you know i I think that's just a a huge testament to what they're building it's like they have the following to to do this kind of stuff where their first hires were all in brand and strategy and and promotion and things like that and that's I, i think very simply put the sport of lacrosse is growing simply due to the job the pll marketing team's been doing Sport of the future, absolutely. And I think too, the PLL and Paul Rabel and the whole team over there, they they didn't try to reinvent the wheel, right? Like lacrosse, like lacrosse is a lot like the NHL, the identity of it, in the sense that it's like it's so unique. It's not like the NFL. It's not like the NBA. You know, and I would even say each each major league has kind of its own identity, right? This league with the NBA and kind of the, the prima donnas of of athleticism but i'll you know neither here nor there but the thing with lacrosse is like you have the insane names right you have the mullets you have the lettuce you have just like these apps yeah the characters in the pll are second to none and you've got matt gaudette biting off austin stott's finger last year too 
Jeez, I see. I didn't see that. I mean, that's. Yeah. that's I mean, no, there you go. There's the, your the Mike opposite. Tyson of. There, there you go. There's your Mike Tyson of the PLL. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I, I can't disparage uh, Mike or Matt Goddad, even though I think he's a jerk. Um, but they, yeah, it was it was the reverse. <laughs> Austin Stotts bit his finger off. That's crazy. Oh, okay. Stuff. There you go. There you go. But I mean, like you know, like Trevor Baptiste and like wearing two gold chains on the on on the lacrosse field. That guy is a menace. I love. Him. I saw him when he was at DU when he played against Providence. I mean, that, that guy could be an an NFL linebacker too. Like, yeah, he, you know. uh, yeah. My first interaction with him was when I filled in in Albany last year before I had that gig, and you know, walking out of my hotel room, and I the, coincidentally, you know, the the hotel room across from me, somebody's coming out too. <laughs> It was Trevor Baptiste. I'm like, so I shut the door. He he looked at me. He goes, "What's going on, man?" I'm like, "Oh, yeah. cool." <laughs> I, I I get acknowledgement, right? That's that's like sick. Yeah. But I the first and only thing I remember about that interaction is I go, you know, he's probably my height. I'm not a I'm a very short guy. I'm like five eight five five nine on a good day. And okay, Trevor Baptiste. I I looked at him and I go, "Oh my God, he can kick my ass." <laughs> He can. I mean, he could do it to anybody. He's got I don't think. He, I don't think it has legs. to do with your height. <laughs> right. It, I mean, yeah. It is all muscle. It's. Yeah. He is one of the strongest guys in the league, and he's my height. It's. I know. It's unbelievable. It's he could it's go toe to toe with guys that are six four and six five. No doubt about yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. If he ever needs a career in like in like TV where he's just the guy that can kick down a door, <laughs> I think he could. I think he could do great. I mean, if if you know if the lacrosse thing doesn't work out, or you know when it's time to hang up the gloves and the stick, I mean, if he just needs a career of kicking down doors, it's pretty easy for him. I feel like <laughs> my favorite, yeah, oh my god, my favorite ad he's done was the recent Old Bay one where it was Kylie Olmiller and a few other uh, women's lacrosse players, and he's uh, he's cooking something. It's like an Old Bay and I think New Balance combo, mm. and he he's got his chef's apron on and stuff, and he takes the tongs out of the pot. And he's like, oh, this is my favorite meal ever. And he just takes out two pairs of New Balance flip-flops out of the steamer. And the girls look at him like, what are you doing? And then they just cut it. They like cut to a picture of him smiling with a little Old Bay thing. I'm like, this guy's made for TV. Yes, exactly. Exactly. I love it. I love it. So, I mean, we've talked about your sports announcing career. We've talked about, you know, uh, the PLL, Bryant, all that stuff. But on top of this, you are obviously the co-host of Beers, Business, and Balls podcast. You know, you guys are coming up. Uh, you just just per- surpassed two hundred, or sorry, two years, almost a hundred episodes, right? Um, with with over two years under your belt with this show, what has been the biggest thing that you've learned from this experience? I think everybody's got their story. It's my initial fear when we started getting out on the road and interviewing brewers was like. Oh, we're going to get too cookie cutters. It's just going to be like, oh, you know, I had a day job and then I quit and then I started a brewery because I liked it and now I have the brewery and that's just let me make my beer basically. Um, <laughs> right. And then we really started getting in the weeds of it. You know, we talked to Beer on Earth who shifted places a few times and they had to, uh, you know, they're, they're venturing into distributing and launching right across from another brewery too. Um, and how that's been for them. And then we talked a couple days ago to Chirag Vias and Kevin Shipman from uh, St. John's Brewers. They were two guys that had it all. And then, yeah, they, they quit that 9-to-5, but they moved to St. John's in the U.S. Virgin Islands and just said, screw it, let's figure it out. We don't even know what we want to do. They paid a local 250 bucks to sleep on his abandoned sailboat with no running water or electricity. 
and now they're making Delta-8 infused seltzer. Um, it's like, what the hell? Their stories are a dime a dozen, and, and the, the quest to go find them is has been incredible. So I'd say that everybody's got their story, right? Everybody has their own trial. And, and you know, as a podcaster, you have to dig a little bit deeper to find them. You have to establish trust and, and get people talking uh, because those don't come out initially, right? So I think right. – that's another big area too that we've learned it's like how do we how do we crack that trust how do we get people to to actually tell us what their story is because you can you can tell you've been doing this long enough Mm. where you can tell when a show is like really great and it's usually because whoever you had on really opened up and you cracked it right exactly i mean like you're you're gonna get your cookie cutter episodes and you know they're good you know they're good episodes you know they'll fill the space they'll they'll hit your quota for the week or whatever (laughs) But it's 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 honestly too like if you did that little extra research that made them say something that they didn't say on their entire press tour that they just did or the eight other shows that they did this year or anything like that like it gets the conversation going or talking about something that has nothing to do with what they do as a career right like you know asking a comedian their favorite thing to cook in the kitchen or like. I'm being very – I'm just making up scenarios. No, this, but it makes sense. I'll give you two real-life like, scenarios if you want them, right? We just had Sean Quirk on, the coach of Cannons uh, in the PLL. And, right, right. You know, it went from very – it started off like, oh, you know, this is how I got into coaching, and this is what happened after. And then we ended up talking about what the best roast beef in North Shore, Massachusetts is. And then it ended up as – you know, we, we got very informal. He's like, all right, you know, I'll I'll bring you guys uh, – when the tour hits Fairfield, I'm going to package up some roast beef. I'm going to put it in the cooler. We're going to have it after the game. I'm like, that's, that's what it. we want. That's the kind of stuff right. we want. Um, and exactly. then Jesse Palmer, uh, when did we do that? Like February when The Bachelor was on? Um, yes. You know, Jesse Palmer, it was very much – we had our five publicists on with cameras off, monitoring every word we said in the background because um, ABC has to dip their uh, their hands into everything and monitor what he says. But we're like, right. screw it. We're going to ask him a question about who's going to win the Super Bowl. Of course we are. And when he starts yeah. talking about the Bills and how good they are, that's the content that people want to see. It's like, oh, Jesse right. Palmer's talking about the Bills. Um, he's a Josh Allen stan, all this stuff, right? It's like <laughs> that's, the, that's the stories you have to hear. Exactly, exactly, 100%. I got to ask, though, too, because I get this question a lot. You know, obviously, you have your full-time job, you know, working in the – like, with for, with one of the largest electrical manufacturers in the country and doing this podcast and doing your sports announcing. I, I, I hate to ask you how do you balance it because I, I feel like everyone gets asked that. Right. I want to flip this question to something different, and I, I'd love to hear your take. You know, can you actually give – hundred percent to both it's it's tough and a lot of times that answer is no right it's it's almost like i don't want to say a balancing act that's the wrong term right but you have to be an expert in time management um which is admittedly something you know every single week i'm trying to figure out you know all right i have to get this stuff done you know when when does this all get done right yeah that's something i don't have the answer to right there's some weeks that you know you uh, you just get behind, right? And you just um, – life gets in the way of stuff. So I think the best answer to that is, is I, whenever I get into that rut, I try to remind myself of what's important to me, right? And there's a reason why we're doing this, right? There's a reason. Obviously, you have to show up and go to work. But, you, you know, there's a reason why 
Will and I will stay up till 11.30, 12 on a Tuesday night to record. Um, mm-hmm. Or to, you know, get a blog out when there's a time sensitive event coming, right? Like a sports, like a betting guide, right? Um, it's just, it, you just so, sort of have to do what you have to do, right? And it's, it's so tough. You can, I think that your question of, like, can you give 100% to both? is i mean there's a world where you know that answer is sometimes yes and sometimes no um Mm. i don't know it's it's tough to sort of pinpoint it's like because we're busy people we do a lot of stuff and i think the way i personally try to combat it is you just have to remember what's important yeah and i i the way that i look at it too is you know whether it's recording this podcast till nine and editing till 11 putting it out whatever like i enjoy doing that Right. right, and that's the thing. Or, it's it's fun, right? We do this because it's right. fun. Like, if I wasn't having fun, no offense, but I would be like, when you asked me to come on the show, I'd be like, no, I don't want to do that, right? right? Like, what? Yeah, the I mean, I like, hope this... you didn't, but thank God, <laughs> I'm not having fun here. No, <laughs> <laughs> but it's too like it's you know I, I I forget what what it was you know it's find the thing that you love to do and call it work, right? Right. But it's it's also too like. You know, is it really work if you're loving it? And and it's just, I don't know. You find the things, you find the time, right? If, if you want to, like Becca Peasy said it, um, you know, way back when on on this show. If if you really want to do something, you'll find the time to do it, right? I mean, her case, it was training a hundred miles a week and running seven marathons on seven continents in seven days. That's absolutely nuts. It doesn't have to be like that. But if you want to do a weekly podcast and have your sales job. And train to run a marathon and whatever, you'll find the time to do it. And like, we're only this young once. I said it in in the little solo episode that I did. Like, my biggest advice to kids that are under twenty five is like, be a yes man, be a yes woman at this time because like, you're gonna be looking back at this when you're thirty, thirty five, forty, and not having that opportunity to do that anymore because you have kids or other liabilities or things like that that you didn't get to do this. And like, we get to have the chance to look back at these times in our lives and say. Like, look, I do have a hundred plus podcast episodes that you can go listen to, like, and, and they're awesome. I think, you know, so that's that's why, like, I don't mind staying up till eleven, eleven thirty, twelve o'clock some nights just to make this a little bit more fun. Yeah, and that's the, that's the deal, right? It's like you have to understand that. I, I think you've got to have your you got to pay your bills first of all, right? Like, you've yes, make sure money's in the door because that is the most important part. It's <laughs> It is what it is. Oh, holy crap. There's a huge. Yeah, uh, huge Federal Hill's popping off. <laughs> oh, you heard <laughs> that? Wow. No, I don't hear it. That was crazy. There's a lightning storm going on over here. Huge oh, I thought it was thunder. a cop going down Federal Hill. No, that was lightning. That was nuts. Wow. Wow. That's what? crazy. You just witnessed uh, crazy stuff here. Wow. Wind's blowing <laughs> crazy, too. I got to duck and cover. Thank God I live in like Boston. We'll, we'll probably get it in an hour if that's happening yes, down by you. Yes, you will. It's coming right <laughs> up. But, but yeah, I mean, like, so. You, Pay your bills, number one, and you've got to do something that, you know, what I, I suppose you can call, like, feeding your soul, right? Like, I – if I uh, – a lot of times, like, even if it's not a podcast or, you know, like, uh, watching a sports game or something, like, you know, I've taken up cooking, too. Like, cooking is the only Love thing it. for me that it's – you get all your senses involved. Um, you know, it's relaxing to me and therapeutic of sorts, right? So, I mean, it's like that you've got to be doing something to take care of the soul, and to take care of you as a person, I feel like. And that, that takes its way in different forms for me. It's this tonight, right? This is satisfying the need for me to have, like, you know, the 
like deep discussions and, and things like that, things that I care about and things that you care about, right? It's, it's um, you know, it takes its form in different ways. I think. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, Jake, we got two two parts of the podcast left here. Wow. One one I'll give you. I'll you know I know we're we're wrapping up here, and this has been an awesome conversation. I do want to say. Um, I'll give you the same chance I gave Zaid and the opportunity to ask me anything, and then we'll wrap up with your final question here. So I, I'll, give, I'll turn oh, yeah. the mic over to you and let you ask me anything on this on this podcast. I had a really good one at the beginning, and I for- oh, you know what it was? It was about ask golf. I, I need to know oh. about your golf experience too, because oh. you seem to be getting out to the range a bit more. I need to yes. know, have you actually seen yourself improve over the time that you first picked up the golf club uh, this summer? Oh, my God, yes. Yes, absolutely. So I, I picked – so I, I got the clubs as a, as a Christmas gift in Christmas of 2020. I didn't touch them. Thunder, absolutely insane where you are. Uh, <laughs> I told you – oh, yeah. Oh, my I God. I just heard the, that. The sky just opened up. Crazy. I love it. Um, <laughs> So I got the clubs December of 2020, didn't touch them until the summer of 2021. And my girlfriend is a four-year varsity uh, golf captain, insane at golf. Um, and so I, I, you know, I'm never going to be as good as her, maybe. <laughs> but I picked up the clubs for the first time last summer and was an absolute joke. And, and it, was, it was just bad. It was really bad. And so this summer I was like, you know, I got to do it because we, we had this work trip in Florida and I made a fool out of myself, and it was all fun. Like no one, no one really cared that I was bad at golf. But like internally, I was like, "This is bad for me." You know, like <laughs> oh, I, no. I could have done better. But so I picked up lessons this summer, and yes, to answer, I'm taking the long way to answer your question. Yes, I mean, five lessons could change, change your whole golf experience. I love. It. I mean, because like 18 holes. Especially if you play like a municipal course right. in in Massachusetts, I mean, it can be six hours. Like we played for six hours on Saturday. Like it could be long, and if you're not having fun, six hours sucks. Right. So taking just the, a little little more investing into your golf game can change your whole experience. So yes, uh, golf has been an absolute blast. I definitely have the bug, like almost like I did when I started swimming. I would say. Um, I'm not afraid to say my score here because on my Instagram, I started with the road to 150. I set the bar very, very low, <laughs> uh, and I shot a 116 for the first time That's on 18 not holes. not too bad. Not too bad. So not too bad. Uh, now the goal is under 110, and then you know we might be, we might be chasing the four-play boys and get into 90 before, before the end of summer. Who knows? <laughs> I love it. Oh, my God. That's what I like. Uh, yeah, I've, I've been thinking about like actually – like I, I feel like you need to actually – like somebody needs to tell you what's wrong for yes because like you said you know six hours out of the course is fun if you're hitting the ball straight if you don't know what you're doing wrong and you just keep shanking it that is a recipe for disaster absolutely absolutely i mean i like you're gonna lose balls along the way you're gonna you know you're gonna you know top one or shank one or whatever you want to call it but It'll definitely be a lot more fun if you just have a backswing. I'll even yeah. say, oh, <laughs> like sure. that was my thing. Like just a full swing was nice to learn. <laughs> my follow-up question for you, and that I think that's the end for me, is who's your favorite lefty golfer? Oh, I mean, like I gotta say Phil, but I don't know. I don't Do know. You? I, I mean, I, you could go Bubba. 
Yeah. Something about the visor does it for me, you know? <laughs> I, I get it. I get and, it. And, and, <laughs> Yeah, he's. I mean, he's a visor guy. I love the visor. You know, my 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 uh, old high school classmate, Bo Hostler, big visor guy. You know, I'm waiting for him to get a big tour win soon. So yeah, you know what? I'm gonna make the switch, and it's not it has nothing to do with the live tour. I'll say that. <laughs> I mean, you know, a lot of my uh, older listeners will be upset that I'm picking Bubba Watson over Phil Mic- uh, Phil Mickelson, but yeah, sure. you know, we're gonna do it, Bubba, Team Bubba. Team I did not bet on him for the open though, so uh, bet responsibly. Yeah, I, I'm not going to bet on Bubba either. So, <laughs> so I think we're on the same page. His his prime is yeah. Gone. Lefties lefties struggle at the course though. Lefties get the bad tee boxes at the public courses. Lefties have a struggle at the range finding yeah, the lefty yeah, mats. Yeah. It's a tough t- it's a tough life. I'll give live, you that lefty you know? mat one. Yeah, right. that's fine. <laughs> Thank that's you. Fine. Thank you. But all right, one final question for you that we ask all of our guests, so I'm excited to hear your answer here. Jake, if you were to write your autobiography today, what would be the title of it and why? Yeah, this was one that I, uh, I, I thought about for a couple – like, you know, as I'm starting to get ready, I hit the link. I'm like, oh, crap, he's going to ask me the autobiography question, isn't he? Um, and I hey, think you, about had, you have an hour and 23 minutes to think about it. I know, I did. <laughs> I had a long time. And I think I keep coming back to, like, this – if I had to say, I'd, I'd say like more than a voice, right? I, mm-hmm. I think there are a lot of people in our industry and even like podcasting too that like they just – they're like, oh, you know, they show up and they look pretty and do their thing and then they go home, right? But I think like you know, the way I try to live my life is with a little bit more. Um, you know, my whole big – my goal – Right when I'm, uh, my favorite stories this year have been at BU um, on ESPN Plus, uh, doing some primetime lacrosse games, and I was like, you know, we talk about having fun on the air. I prepped for the BU Army men's lacrosse game for like five days, and I never <laughs> do that. Yeah, you know, talking to coaches, breaking down film, all this crazy crap, and I was doing color. I never do. I'm never color analyst for for really any sport. Um, and I think there's just there's a big disconnect between you know the, the folks in our industry that sort of say like you know they open the broadcast like you know welcome to whatever field it's this conference and this conference <laughs> and you know this is their record and let's play versus right. like the way we tried to approach that sort of thing was was holy crap this is the best feeding attacker in the nation and a guy like Brendan Nickturn who's exceeding for the Chrome right now in PLL right. Um, He's going up against the 14th ranked team in the nation. And oh, by the way, they have the best long stick midfielder in the nation that got moved to defense to mark him. Um, that's like such a cool stuff. So that that's really how I've been trying to live, right? Like in the in specific within the confines of sports, it's, you know, tell the full story. Who are the characters? Like sell me on it, right? Yeah. Like I'm watching a movie. Um, and then in life too, it's like, you know, what are you bringing sort of to – that's more than what's on the surface, right? Like, uh, you know, I, I get a kick out of it when I, you know, when I meet uh, my girlfriend's family for the first time last year, they're like, you know, tell me about, you know, the first thing they ask is like, oh, what venues have you announced? And like, what have you done? Which is all good and fun. But it's like, you know, there's more, there's more to it, right? There's, Absolutely. there's more, there's a story that goes in. There's, um, there's so much, right? So that, that's sort of how I try to live my life. It's like, you know, what, what story is there to tell, right? Um, in the confines of sports and, and outside of it in life. I love it. Perfect answer. 
It didn't even take that long. You know, you you were ready. You you had that prepped and ready. So well done. And 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 that's not, no shame to the people that do take time. I like that too. Uh, yes. <laughs> but Jake, this has been an absolute blast, man. So glad that we finally had you on the show. I know when we we before we started recording, we're like, this was our first time actually getting to chat. So crazy. great to have you on. And uh, keep doing amazing things. And I can't wait for the Providence Villanova game that we're gonna have to go to this season. Oh yeah, and hopefully it'll be like a like we can show up as fans and not with uh, maybe on a media credential too. That's separate. Maybe, like, maybe. Yeah, we'll we'll see. That'll be fun. Can't I love wait it. for that, man. Always a pleasure. Keep up the uh, the awesome work, and uh, looking forward to to seeing this pot evolve. Absolutely. I'll talk to you soon. So huge thank you to Jake Zimmer for coming on this week's show and sharing more about his story. Be sure to go check him out and the entire House Enterprise family over on the House Enterprise website. I'll leave links to all things Jake in the description of this week's podcast. Thank you guys so much for all the support that you have continued to show this show over the past almost two years. It's crazy to think that we're coming up on our two-year anniversary. I can't do this without your help. Be sure to go check out us on Instagram and TikTok at NormalGuyLazyEyes so you can see clips from this week's episode. Hopefully, if I did this right, you are watching it here on Spotify if you have Spotify. And again, thank you guys so, so much. That's it for all the shameless plugs. I'll see you all next Wednesday.